Derek Jeter and I was just talking to him and then all of a sudden I started realizing he stops talking mid-conversation just stopped talking within about a pitch or two he would steal the base I always tell the guys I'm like hey if he stops talking he's looking to because he's focusing a little bit I took it personal at first but then he stole a base I was like oh we have who's on first what's on second I don't know who's on third that's what I want to find out the guy's name and tell me who's on first what's on second I don't know who's on third hey we're here to talk a little baseball oh I love baseball Hell, of course, we all do. But for me, I like to imagine what it's like to listen in on the conversations that take place at first base. Talk about who's talking. I don't even know who's on first. Well, nearly every player who ever played the game of baseball. Sure, but isn't first base just a, like a resting place where one waits for the next hitter to advance them around the diamond? No, not at all. It's actually a kind of a social gathering place, too. Nowhere else on the field are there four individuals for an extended period of time. Ah, so who's on first? The first baseman? The runner, naturally. Well, no, no, he's the pitcher. Well, who's the pitcher? Naturally is the pitcher. Never mind the pitcher. Never mind's the catcher. Oh, my. Can we just stay off the bases just get back to first base what's also present what's on second stay off second and the mound and the plate i want to know who's also on first well you've got the first baseman the first base coach the runner uh, oh and who's that other guy he's the umpire so it seems to me i don't really know who's on first i don't know is on third well, i guess stay off the bases and just tell me who is on first? Well, at any given moment, we have a diverse group of people, only two of which are actually familiar with each other because they're on the same team. You know, I always wondered what goes on at first base. No, what goes on at second base? I don't know, third base. So I ask again for crying out loud, just list the people at first base and tell me who's on first. A runner, a first baseman, a coach, and an umpire. So do the four of them just stand around there quietly, intently watching the action, talking into their gloves to see what's on second base and thinking, I don't know who's on third? You see, there's a lot of dead time at first base. You know, between the action and when nothing's going on, they kind of chat amongst themselves. Oh, oh, I know. It's like they did on the mound in that scene in Bull Durham. Yes, now you've got it. Well, we are finally going to delve into the secret conversations you've always wondered about. So... Who's on first? I give up. Oh, he's the center fielder. <gasps> ah, come on. Relax. Just relax and sit back and stay tuned for episode one of Who's on First? The podcast with my first guest, Lyle Overbay. Now I know who's on first. I can't wait to listen to the show. No, 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 no. This is a podcast. The show is Major League Baseball. Remember Bull Durham? Why, Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Who's On First, the podcast. I'm Robert Bomander. I spent over 40 years with the Toronto Blue Jays. In 1980, I was on the grounds crew and in 1981, I was asked to run the camera to record the players when they were hitting or pitching. From then on, I was known as Captain Video. It was the early days of portable video machines and I captured the players on individual VHS cassettes with a small black and white camera. No HD, no color, no super slow motion, just a pause button and only one angle. Over the years, I helped revolutionize how video was captured in baseball, being the first to use super VHS, DVD recorders, thousand frame per second slow motion color video, 
multiple camera angles, and eventually digital video capturing using a Mac Pro and iMac viewing stations. I learned a lot about baseball and was in on some cool behind-the-scenes drama and wackiness that goes along with a Major League Baseball season over the 40 years I was there. But one thing I never got in on were the interesting conversations that took place at first base. Since retiring from my position as video coordinator in March of 2021, I have wanted to return to baseball, but this time asking the questions I've always wanted to get answers to. What goes on at first base? Oops, sorry. What goes on at second base? I just don't know. Third base! Sorry. So, who's on first today? Well, it's my old friend Lyle Overbay, former first baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. Lyle was born in 1977 and drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks in 1999. He made his major league debut in 2001 and joined the Blue Jays in 2006, playing 723 games with the Jays before finishing out his career with the Pittsburgh Pirates, a return to Arizona, Atlanta, the Yankees, and in 2014, 14, 121 games with Milwaukee. These days, he's enjoying life on the West Coast and coaching high school baseball. And for you stats nerds out there, he had a career average of 266, hit 151 home runs, and most importantly these days, had a war wins above replacement of 16.5. So on that note, let's dial up the old telephone and see if we can get a juicy story or two about his career at first base. And there is Mr. Overbay. Hey, how are we doing? I'm doing fine. How are you, Lyle? Oh, man. Just living the dream, baby. Living the dream. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. It's nice to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. And uh, do you follow the big league stuff that much? Or? I'll watch the playoffs. That's my thing. I Just because the season is just hard to... We've got so much going on, and it just seems like the, in the playoffs, it seems the little things that I try to preach to our <laughs> my kids, <laughs> my my players. As you, I told you, this is the Who's On First podcast, and I was originally going to call it Getting to First Base. Nothing happens in baseball until someone gets to first base, and one thing I've always noticed over the years watching the games, there's a lot of discussion in between going on the field and no one ever really hears what people talk about at first base and you've got four diverse people you've got obviously the first baseman you have the first base coach the umpire and then that player who just comes and visits with the first baseman temporarily but there's a lot of i wouldn't say dead time but time between the action where some conversations take place and having known you for many years and being one of the probably the nicest people i ever encountered in baseball along with the lovely frank catalanato you two spent a lot of time in the video room and downed one or more protein cups per game i'm just going to break in for a second right here and tell you what a protein cup is Back in that era of baseball, anything went when it came to snacks and it was peanut butter cups, chips, chocolate bars, ice cream. It was all provided free of charge for everyone and players obviously loved them. But nowadays they are supposed to survive on really healthy food and even the trainers and nutritionists make up these little peanut butter ball things with all sorts of healthy stuff in them that don't quite taste like peanut butter cups and myself and Rod Barajas and Lyle Overbay and Frank Catalanato and a few others just enjoyed peanut butter cups and we all brought them in for each other especially if the team stopped providing them we kept going with the peanut butter cups but Lyle always called them protein cups anyway back to the show 
in those conversations we had over the years, we never really had a chance to talk about some of the things that interest me. And one of the things that interests me is, what do you guys talk about at first base? And I, I think I want to start with just the most, what's the word I'm looking for, more touching conversations. I know there's many times in baseball where a player comes back from, whether it's maternity leave or, or paternity leave or a death of a loved one in the family. And I'm sure that you talk about that, give your condolences, but what are some of the more interesting or heartwarming stories you've experienced in that? That one's those are the tough ones because those are you want to, but you also don't know where they're at, and mm -hmm. and and sometimes bringing it up. Obviously, when I've got six kids and I had four when four and five when I got done playing, but I just I felt like that part of it, just becoming a father, I think it was one of the special moments for me. But personally, so I'd always definitely ask about that part. Not too many. I know I've encountered a couple with teammates, but as far as some, some deaths and some things that, that didn't go very well, but the fatherhood, I think was, it was pretty special. And you just, when you talk about it, you see their faces and they just light up and then you see their faces and be like, oh man, I'm scared to death thing too. So it's because <laughs> they, they don't know exactly what they're getting into. Obviously I didn't either when everybody when they have kids, they're not sure it's the greatest thing ever. It is, but then you realize, oh man, these are some long nights. And then you realize it. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And and then all of a sudden you're trying to play one of the hardest games to play in the history of sports. I'd always, I felt like I would encourage them and just, just tell them, Hey, this is the greatest thing. And obviously those are some hard times, but we'd always talk, Hey, are they sleeping, sleeping at night? How mama's doing? We'd always, I think baseball has a tight community, as you well know, as far as just realizing and figuring out who family is and how family is. And mm -hmm. so, it's always about the family for, for the most part is what I've encountered a lot over there. It's just when tough things are going or even good things are going, it's, hey, how's the family? How's mama doing? Just it, it's turns to not being about us, it's mm. about, about them. And the conversations can be very quick and it's just like you're in the middle of a conversation and then games back <laughs> yeah. on and have some of those conversations like continued over the course of a game or the course of a season even? <laughs> There's a couple that end up being towards that 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 you, you rehash a little bit but yeah every time for the most part when i know that and remember sometimes I for, i'll forget but it, we'll, we'll check in with them and see how they're doing and see if their face lights up a little bit different <laughs> after they've figured out oh man this is not easy mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah there's i've got oh man i i've <laughs> there's a couple that that kind of get off topic from there, but just for Derek Jeter, and there's, he's probably the one of the obvious ones, just talking to him. And it wouldn't be talking too much about things. It might be about the game or this and that. And, and then, and then all of a sudden I started realizing he'll, he stops talking. And I was like, that's weird. He just mid conversation, just stopped talking within about a pitch or two, he would steal the base. So I had a little insight with that. Uh -huh. and I, I would always tell, I always tell the guys, I'm like, Hey, if he stops talking, he's looking to, cause He's focusing a little bit, and it was just funny because it happened two or three times. And I, it, I took it personal at first, but then he stole a base. I was like, oh, okay, he's just he's just zoning in on the pitcher, the timing, and, and doing all that. Because there's sometimes where pitchers are too fast, and situation comes up where they're not going to 
they're not going to steal anyway, depending on who the hitter is and, and the situation. But it was pretty funny when I was like, hey, if you guys want to know, let me know. I'll just get, and I, and I know Greg Zahn, I know Greg Zahn wanted to know, but there a couple catchers were like, yeah, let me know. So they, they would get, I'd give them a little hand signal and tell them, hey, you never know. It wasn't, but it was almost spot on within one or two pitches. You guys get to throw them out a, a time or two because of that? <laughs> I think, I don't remember if I, if, if we did or not, but he was always, he's, he didn't go unless he, <laughs> he knew he was going to get there, but I think, or if he had something, whether it was a tell or if it was a timing issue where he was timing it up and stuff, there might've been a, I, I, I don't remember if there was a time where we got them, but there's times where I'm like, I'm like looking at the catcher, like, yeah, he's going <laughs> and he's looking at me. What, what do we got going on here? So then he's preparing and it was by far right at it. Then a pitch or two, he was still on the bases. See, that's the kind of fascinating information people like to know. <laughs> what was uh, the most interesting player you met at first base? Uh, the one that you're like, oh, I hope he gets a hit because I, I like talking to him. <laughs> There's a lot of guys I you look at. I think it might have been probably the guys that I idolize growing up. I, that's the part where Ken Griffey Jr. is one of my favorites. And he's standing on first base and he calls me by my name. Those are types of things that are... but. Mm. And I think it would be the young guys more than anything. I would ask the young guys that were single, and, and then I would ask the guys that were married and have families for vacation. Uh, that's where I wanted to know. I want to mm-hmm. know where everybody's going for vacation. Where are these cool spots? Because these guys, when they can go and in the off season and the single guys, they got all the time in the world so they can go. And then the families, you want to, I had a family, so I was like, okay, where are the family places? But getting back to that question, I, I would say probably the most inter- interesting conversation or being a part of the conversation was Ichiro Suzuki. He, he, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know he knew Spanish and he was on first base and he doesn't, he doesn't speak a whole lot. He, I was his teammate in, in New York, but this was prior when he was with the Mariners and Marco Scudero was playing second base as you remember. And all of a sudden Marco starts yelling something Spanish to me. I thought it was to me. And, and I'm like, looking at Marco, I'm like, dude, I don't know Spanish. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. And all of a sudden Ichiro starts yelling back at him in Spanish. <laughs> I started, I'm like, I looked at Ichiro. I was like, are you serious Spanish? I'm like, oh, he's actually very fluid in Spanish. I wish I would have known what they were saying. I don't think it was very <laughs> appropriate, but it was just, uh, it was funny. But just talking to those guys and then being Christian-based, for me, I, I just talk about some guys that, that have some Christian faith. And But yeah, I'd always, I think the most inter- interesting for me was where the vacation spots were, where the special spots were. These, were there any spots that that i hadn't been to and or i've even heard of but and there was a lot i was like whoa i'm not going there there's there i'm i was like man that's a spot that that would be pretty cool and stuff but where did you end up going that you would never have traveled to if it wasn't for the advice of a player at first base i haven't got there yet but there's a lot of guys that were that have gone to greece and that's the part where it's okay if there's like multiple people that want to go in italy those, just those specific spots. I think there was another where I think it was, and I can't remember who said it. And I was was Iceland too. I don't know if I'll ever go there. Everybody's like, when you hear Iceland, it's that's you know a frozen tundra, but I'm sure it's not. I mean, there's people that live there, so it's, I guess uh, not in but, the summer. But yeah, but but I felt like that those I haven't yet. Um, I certainly will, and those are spots that just kept coming up. Mm-hmm. There's a couple that were in Mexico too. Some some spots we've been to Puerto Vallarta, but I, I think I've I, I would have gone there, but I don't think I would have put that at the top of my list if if I didn't hear from these guys because I'm like eh, I don't what's so cool about that or whatever. But they loved it, they enjoyed it, and like I said, the conversations are quick and small, and so not a whole lot of details, but 
that's when the conversation loops around and, and like when it interests me, I'm like, hey, wait, I need to figure this one out. And, and who did you dread getting to first base? Were there players that were like, <laughs> you don't have to name names, but were there, unless you want to, were there players that when they got to first base, it was just like, oh man, I hope that he just gets off the base really quickly because <laughs> I can't take him anymore. <laughs> I think it was probably the pitchers when we, we played National League teams and we they would hit. And not that they got on first base a ton, but it was just awkward because I'm facing them and I I don't necessarily like pitchers because they're trying to get me out. So mm-hmm. <laughs> not saying that, but I just, it was very awkward because I don't know if they're willing to talk and, and if I'm not, I'm always willing to talk because I want to learn something from them. I'm like, it just, but yeah, that one was an awkward and I don't know if, if there was a specific person besides just the pitchers that would not talk a lot there's guys that we didn't like at, at certain points i being specific alex rodriguez was one of them because he he did something where we with the blue jays and mm-hmm. that was probably one that i wouldn't talk to just because of that just because he did something to our you know that i don't know if you remember that one where he yelled yes. at our, I, our third baseman yeah so we, we played that video <laughs> so. over and over again in slow motion but, but then when I, I was his teammate in new york and he's a great guy i he just he I think he gets caught up in these moments and just made a mistake kind of thing. I, I, mean, I don't know if he thinks it's a mistake or not. but Well, that, um, that's the whole conversation about that was that a lot of baseball is gamesmanship and distraction and getting you slightly off your game so that you can get that one little advantage. And I guess that's what he was thinking, but it's also there's certain gentlemen's agreements in the game. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and things that you just don't do because you don't want that done to you. Yeah. That's something that I'm sure his teammates would not have appreciated if the other team started doing that. And I think the Blue Jays players were pretty good about not retaliating in that way. It did and it didn't. Because uh, <laughs> we got in, I know the, the next night or, or the next day, the uh, Major League Baseball kind of said, hey, if something happens, if then, then they're going to throw fines out and, and throw mm. suspensions out. So I think we took it on the back, put it on the back burner. Right. Um, and then I don't remember if you remember, but Dollars was, he, he ended up, he was at the end of his night for pitching mm. and Alex Rodriguez, Alex was up, he hit him. So, and that's when they, if you kind of Google, I think if you Google me and Alex, there's a picture of me that, that I'm pointing at him because he was, I was talking to Josh Towers and cause I was on the, I was, but I was having Josh Towers face me. And, and I was facing first base or right. So that way he could see if, if those, cause we were all heated. It didn't mm. matter on set. I probably would have got my butt kicked, but at yeah. that point I, we all, I think we all wanted to fight Alex. So we were waiting for him to do something. And, and I'm pointing at, at Tony Pena. He was the first base coach. Cause he was the one that was yelling at Josh Towers. And so I, there's a picture on the internet that shows that I'm like, looks like I'm like right in Alex's face, but I'm probably about seven eight feet away but just the way the picture is taken it's Mm. it shows it shows that but you know like i said when i was when i got to play for new york and i got to know him he's a great guy and he's a teammate he's he's a good teammate to where he wants the overall goal Mm. and i think that's what happened was like you said he got caught up into doing that to get that advantage and win and was willing to do that gentleman's agreement yeah i think it was a little bit different and speaking of hitters being hit by pitches, there are times where I know for 100% that it's pitch got away, but I also know from being in the video room for 
30-ish, 40 <laughs> years, that there are times where even I knew it was going to happen. And the player that gets hit, he probably knows it's going to happen too, even though he acts very indignant about it and how dare you. He's, they're usually, a lot of times they're expecting it because they know that's how the game works. That's one of those other gentlemen's agreements. When they get to first base, are they just seething and don't want to talk at all? Or do some of the some of them say, yeah, I had it coming? No, they don't ever say it's coming. <laughs> no, they don't ever say us. They're, yeah, because they're, no one, it hurts to get hit. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there's certain spots that doesn't hurt as much. And nobody, you want to get up there and you want to hit the baseball. You don't want to get hit. So it's just, but yeah, they're pissed. And sometimes I got to bite my lip because... Because I'm like, yeah, that's what you get kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't necessarily see it as that. They're, this is crap. This shouldn't happen to me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be a, a jack wagon then. <laughs> that's just, but yeah, so I just, I, I think, it, yeah, they don't. They do not like that part, and I and I don't have a conversation with them. I just listen because they, they will talk to their, their first base coach, but and they'll sit there and say some stuff to the pitcher but that's nothing too much to where i'm like okay now you're getting a little personal and now you're attacking my teammate that's mm. not have that's you ever had okay. to step in to prevent yeah i think that was probably the first with the alex rodriguez one i i thought that i was getting held back but but i was heated i think everybody was and like I said, I probably would have got my butt kicked, but at least I would have tried <laughs> if he had done something. We're just think it was at that heat of the moment. But there's one I think it was in the it was in New York. It was Jesse Carlson and Jorge Posada. I there were, I can't remember who hit the ball, but it was like a double down the line, and I got the relay, and all of a sudden I got the ball, and I'm turning and looking, and all of a sudden I see a big pile between home and first, kind of by the, the Yankee dugout, and I'm like, oh crap, because there was some blood, bad blood with. With Jesse Carlson and Jorge, and that's when it happened. Was Jorge scored, and Jesse was backing up because he got hit, so he's backing up home plate to the throw, and they bumped each other, and, and they went after it. He was a boxer, so he was doing just fine. There's only so many guys you can fend off. I just felt like I was like, okay, I need to get the make sure he's okay. And I think Rod Brahas was there, and he was he had Jesse, and but I think and all of a sudden I see on the ground. Because there's probably 20, 30 people there, 10, or 10, 15 guys there in the middle. And all of a sudden, I see Jorge Posada on the ground. So I just dive in and grab him so he can't do anything more. I don't, and like I said, I don't know what he was doing, but but I grabbed him. And then the pile fell on us, and they were trying to drag me off of Jorge. And I'm like, I'm not moving because I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not going to punch him or anything like that. It's just more of just stopping that now if somebody hits me then yeah we're gonna go after it but i think for the most part i think it's just making sure my teammate is okay and backing him up no matter what but yeah that was probably the one there i think the funny story there that kind of leads into that one was lance berkman if lance berkman he is the kindest just laid back nothing i thought at this point really irritates him <laughs> he'd always say that he'd always tell me he's man or he'd tell everybody's I'm, I'm, I get, ex I get excited when I get a hit because I expect to get out. So that way, whenever I got a hit, I was really excited. So he'd always, it, it was a different way to think about it. Cause you know, obviously the game of baseball is a, a game of failure. So you're going to fail a lot more times. So it's, but it, he, it was just a, a different way to, to think about it. But anyway, he, he was playing cause he was an outfielder and then he started playing first base towards the end of his career. And so I'd always have good conversations with him and just knowing him a lot. He, 
he was always on first base with him. <laughs> he seemed like he was a very good hitter. So I always had good conversations. We played, this was back when the Astros were the, were in the National League. I, we got to play him a lot because they were in our division. But anyway, he hits, he took it, there was two outs and he took a pitch that was, that he thought it was a ball or whatever. And, and I think Joe West was, was the second base umpire. And well, Lance hits this the next pitch and just crushes it. Just hits one really hard, but it was like I think it was right at the shortstop or second baseman. He caught it, so he didn't even really get out of the box. And that was the third out. And so he's putting his stuff down. He goes and goes back and starts talking to the the home plate umpire because he's and he was talking about that one pitch. And all of a sudden they start walking and. <laughs> Lance is saying, hey, this was just a conversation. And then all of a sudden, Joe West comes running in and just starts yelling at him and just, that was a strike. And just, I don't know what he said. And that I'd never seen Lance react like that. And they had to hold him back. He was pissed. And it takes a lot for him to get pissed <laughs> and to be held back on an umpire kind of thing. And he was, and I think it was, said, I don't know what Joe said, but I think it was probably attacking him as a person. And that's what kind of set him off and so I'm leading off the next inning and and I get a base hit and you could tell he's just fuming still Lance is just fuming and so I get a base hit and I come around and I come up and and he's getting set to to hold me on and I look at him and he looks at me and I said want to talk about it (laughs) and I knew he would he started laughing he was just like so then we end up talking about it (laughs) but he was, it caught him off guard. That's, it was a good thing. But I, you just talk about the relationships that you have at first base and, and with, with your opponents. And, and I always, Lance was just a guy that he was a left-handed hitter. I wanted to know a very good hitter. I wanted to talk to him about just yeah, what does he do in the, and to get prepared, that kind of stuff. So I really felt like I knew him because I had some, a lot of conversations with him. So I knew that he would be okay with that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I did that. I saw him about a month later and he comes up to me. He's, Dude, I'm still laughing about that. You got me so good. So <laughs> I'm laid back too as well. So I just, I wanted him to... <laughs> I just get a good laugh at it and have some fun. But you'll see a lot of times when I've got my glove over my face, it's because I'm laughing and I don't want my pitcher to, you know, somebody <laughs> says a funny joke or something. I don't want my pitcher thinking I'm not focusing, but that was one of those, the other Dustin Pedroia story. When, and you can Google this one on, this is how it all started really was we were in and I was looking at it because I was trying to remember who the umpire was and it was Doug Eddings. And I come in, we were down one run and I hit a ball off the wall. It was in Fenway and it was off off of Papelbon. We don't you don't get too many opportunities to to score runs against Papelbon and I remember that. And I knew yeah, I knew I was the go ahead run. So I knew I had to get to second and I slid into second and hey, Pedroia was there and he, he tagged me. He didn't tag me, but he looked like he tagged me. And Doug called me out and you could see my face on it. If you, when you Google it, you got Pedroia, like he's curled up, like he, like I scared the crap out of him. Or, I, but it wasn't, it didn't scare him. It was, he was laughing because he was, and, and I, so I'm running off the field and you can see my, my veins and everything are just popping out of my neck. Cause I'm, I have my head down. I always try to respect the umpire and not to show him, but I'm yelling at him. Like you, I, and I don't remember what I said. I probably said something I shouldn't have, but I know I told him I, he missed that call. And, but like I said, that was a big call, big moment in the game and a big part of it. Cause it was in September. Mm-hmm. We were in a playoff race. We needed to win those games. And, and <laughs> Cito comes out cause he was our manager and he comes out and Doug, and this, this kind of gets to the relationship that I have with the umpires. I knew all the umpires. I'd always talked to them and 
I think I had more conversations with them because with nobody on, we would be playing far back and they would be playing down the line. I, I would have some conversations with them. And Doug was a great, one of those great ones too, that just would love to talk and just BS with you. And he comes out and Cito gets out there and Doug, I missed the call. <laughs> he goes, Overbay wouldn't have reacted like that if it if I was right kind of thing. And he knew me. If I get thrown out, I'm gonna yeah, I'm going back to the dugout. That's on me. But but and this was obviously before replay. Yeah, <laughs> back in the old ages. <laughs> we had our own replay uh, in the video room, and we occasionally did find a missed call. And I always wondered if you guys went out there and made the umpire aware of the call they missed because we reviewed it in the video room, even though this was prior to real replay. There was times, it, I think the umpire would ask, like, mm. hey, would you, and I'd be truthful with him. I said, I felt, not that I knew, and this would be before I went into the dugout mm. kind of thing, because it would be immediate, be like, hey, because they want to be right too. They don't yeah. want to be. And, and the be misconception wrong. with umpires is that they don't care. And that yeah. is the furthest thing from the truth. I think they can get heated themselves because they really do care. They really want to do yeah. the right thing. Yep. Yeah. So I, I felt they, they, so I would always say, I was like, I thought I had them out, but half the time I was wrong. I, that's the part where I'm like, I don't really argue with umpires because I, but I'll go back and I'll tell them too. I'll say, I'll go back and look and I'll let you, cause they want to know too. They want to mm. know right away. And so I would always go back and try to be like, no, he slid in or, or did this. I, obviously they're going to see that play after the game too. But yeah, but you get back to that picture, the pit with the Pedroia. So that off season, I had three hernias and I had to get them fixed. And my, my brother-in-law sends me this picture and I hadn't seen it before. Sends me this picture that, you know, with my bulging <laughs> pissed off face with Pedroia in the background. And he was like, he sends me that picture. He's like, I think this is what caused the three hernias. <laughs> so I said, I said, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put this, I'm going to get this picture mm. and I'm going to have, I'm going to put to, to Doug Eddings, I'm going to send it over to, because our clubbies, and I think it was Chief that, that mm -hmm. uh, walked it over. And But I waited till they came in to, to the game, and then I put that. I said, hey, I had three hernia surgeries. My my family thinks it's because of this, and and shows the picture. And obviously, he knows what it was. And well, so he was, or he was umpiring first base at the, this game. And I think Chuck Merriweather was home plate umpire, and he got hit and he got hurt. He had to come out of the game. What usually what happens is the first base umpire puts the gear on and mm -hmm. then comes out. And so he goes out, and I'm like, oh, this isn't the right time. He's gonna see this right on his locker. I'm like, oh man, his buddy just got hurt. I was like, this is not <laughs> good timing. I'm like, oh crap. I'm just thinking. That's all I'm thinking about. And I'm like, I should be thinking about. About the game kind of thing but he doesn't come out for 10 minutes and i guess there's a rookie at second base or second base umpire so he put the gear on and and he doug comes out he's got his face his hand over his face and he walks out and he comes to me he goes that was the funniest thing i've ever read he goes it took me 10 minutes to get out here because i couldn't stop laughing and i felt <laughs> bad and i was like thankful that it was that way and not the other way are you serious you're putting that and yeah so i so well then Fast forward a little bit more, we go to Boston and my dad, he collects things and he saw that picture. And so he sends it to me. He's, hey, would, if he, if I give this picture to you, would Pedroia sign it? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure he would. So I had, so I had it and I, one of our guys sent it over and he signed it. I, when I got it back, I, he got on first base. I was like, Hey, thanks for signing it. I appreciate it. And I said, by the way, what the hell was so funny? Cause he was laughing in the picture <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, dude, you scared the crap out of me. <laughs> he goes, that was not not laughing you scared the crap out of me when you because i thought you were gonna 
kill me. And I was <laughs> wow. like, oh, all right, I guess that'll be okay. But he goes, yeah, I was like, I thought he was laughing because he, he stole an out. But no, nah, those are good conversations that you get to have. And, mm-hmm. and I wish I would have done it a little bit or started a little bit earlier in my career to ask for signed baseball bats. I started doing that late. I and, wish I had been doing that my entire time with the Blue Jays. Yeah. I have a very yeah. limited memorabilia collection, but the ones I do have are pretty special to me. I don't feel like I have just a house full of stuff, but one thing that I remember doing is when Nolan Ryan was in Toronto and it was probably his last season, I begged someone to go take a baseball over so I could have a Nolan Ryan signature baseball. And so that's one of the things that I have on my shelf that I really like having. The other things I have are things that I didn't ever expect to have, but both years, 92 and 93, when we won the World Series, there were two pictures that were in the newspaper or in a magazine or somewhere that show me very prominently in the pile when the team won the World Series. And those are probably my favorite possessions. And I wouldn't have ever collected them, but you're talking about your dad asking for an autograph. It was my dad who found them and saved them. And it's sometimes you think for yourself, you're not going to do it, but then you've got your dad who's just as big a fan or bigger a fan than yourself. And they're the ones that get things that you'll cherish down the road that you never would have asked for on your own. Yeah, for sure. That's, I know there's things that, yeah, he was a big Yankee fan. It it was hard for him to, (laughs) it, it wasn't hard for him to root for me, but he was excited when I got the chance to play for the Yankees. And, it yeah, seems like everybody are... eventually gets to play for the Yankees. <laughs> right. At some I, point, yeah. every player who has claimed they hate the Yankees ends up playing for the Yankees and then they have great stories about it. Yes. Oh, I'm telling you, it's the hate, I think, becomes it, it's jealousy just because they I, I love my time there. I loved I don't know if I could have done it for as long as some of the guys that have been there for 10 years or maybe even just two or three years. I It was it was definitely exhausting. But it was just, it was a different exhaust. Just, I had never been a part of that, never known that. And I guess probably just something that you just got to get used to. But man, they, they just, they do everything top notch. And obviously they expect a, a ton. Mm-hmm. If you do it, they treat you right. And it was a good clubhouse too. We had some good guys over there that were, that made it fun and and enjoyable and knowing that we every, each other's had our backs because like you said there's a there is some turnover obviously if you're not if you're not winning they're finding a way to win type mm. thing but yeah it was those are fun times when you get to be a teammate of those guys as it can like said you're jealous of too it's that's <laughs> it, all it is jealousy <laughs> to be honest king of the fun and laughter you sometimes shared with players uh after an incident at first base, are there some guys that just didn't have any sense of humor? Yes, I'd always say it was early in my career. Obviously, I didn't say a whole lot when I was a rookie and didn't do a whole lot. I just didn't have a whole lot of time because I just didn't know the process. But I learned a lot from, to, I guess, to, to switch gears real quick, I learned a lot from Sean Casey because he loves to talk and, and loves to, it, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are, he's going to talk to you. He's going to love you. It, it doesn't matter. He's just a great dude. But getting back to your question, I would the one that sticks out would be would be Jeff Kent. He just seemed like he was miserable all the time, and and he would just he wouldn't talk to you. Not that I would. Once I asked him one time, I didn't ask him again. Type stuff. I, I didn't talk to him again. It was if he talks to me, I'll talk to him, but I'm not going to start the conversation anymore. I just and I don't know if it was just he was focusing on the game or he was just I do know that he's made comments that he just he's like oh, I want to be fishing and hunting and I'm like why aren't you doing that it, it surprised me I'm like you've made enough money you're, <laughs> you're, you're, if you're miserable I'm like yeah I was like man I, I'd be 
and that's where I knew that I was done. It was dreaded. I love that everyday grind, getting out there, doing the everyday grind, loving it. And I last year, I dreaded every bit of it. So I knew I was done. I knew that was it. I still love getting out there every day and doing it. It was just trying to get back to where I was the day before mm-hmm. as far as just feel-wise, couldn't do it. And I just felt like I was not giving my teammates I could. But yeah, he was one that seemed uh, miserable. Obviously, the Latinos that were young and didn't know a whole lot of English. I would always throw out the que paso, just just the little stuff that I knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spanish, but I, I knew all the cuss words, but <laughs> that's not something you say at first base. But it, it was fun to be be able to have a chance for uh, for the many years that I got to play, the many conversations, the people that I got to get in depth with and learn a little bit about them, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It was, those are the ones that I I cherish. And like you said, as a fan, you don't get to hear these conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's always, I'm like, they're always like, what are they talking about? Because they're always talking about something. I'm sure the young guys are talking about going out after the game or whatever. And but a lot of it was, was what they do in the offseason, not in off season, but before the season or mm-hmm. what kind of drills they do. Because I'd always, I always wanted to know just because I knew there were so many different things that you could do to hit. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways. Uh, yeah, just uh, you look at David Ortiz, you look at Manny Ramirez, they, they, they're just, they're different hitters, but they're still probably doing some different things and doing similar things too. So it's okay. What do you, what works for you? And it's always just trying to create create that edge mm-hmm. um and what and was the best piece of advice you ever got at first base that really carried over into your game the i believe the one that really and it had nothing to do with hitting or anything like that it was lance berkman i was with milwaukee and, and even arizona my rookie year and then i went with milwaukee I, I had a really good first half and then i just dove off the deep end <laughs> in the second half and i couldn't figure it out because i felt like i was strong i felt like i was still and lance was like because i was talking to him about that i'm like man i just I, i'm struggling and when i feel like i'm not hitting the pitches that i normally do and i and i go back and look at the tape and i'm like okay there i'm i'm able to hit this early in the year and now i'm not so it's what am i doing here and, and this is lance berkman that came out hitting and had mvp seasons within two or three years of his being out there he's it really took me almost four years to feel strong through the whole season and, I, and it really hit me because i was like okay if he's struggling then there's certainly something to it and so i wanted to embrace that and make sure that I, I wanted to to be like oh that's my excuse it was never an excuse it was just more of okay i just i need to embrace this and know that there's going to be some tough times and i just got to keep working through it and know that that routine and that that part of it will come so that was i think the biggest advice because i was getting frustrated i and i don't think i would have changed or realized and I would have probably drove myself nuts mm-hmm. if I, if he didn't if he didn't say that. So that was a big one. Talking to Manny Ramirez, I just I, I, he would always set up what I've heard and what he told me. He was like, "I'll set up the slider machine and just hit the slider machine because." And it made sense to me too. You really have to stay through that ball to hit it real well. Just little things like that. But I think for the most part, those two stuck out on mm-hmm. in my mind. So yeah, that and, and the vacation spots. <laughs> <laughs> and you spent probably more time though with 
the first base coach and the umpires did you get to know them better than you did the players oh yeah there was yeah i really enjoyed the umpires they, and and part of it too is just making sure hey i wanted them to know me as a person too if we ever disagree they would know that i'm not being an ass kind of thing it was more like no this is but like jim joyce i loved him he obviously when you talk about you know them wanting to get it right when he blew that call and i it was the detroit pitchers uh, he had a no hitter and oh yeah oh that's right the purpose yeah you know the next day i mean he's balling <laughs> at uh at the home plate conversation the home plate meeting so he knew and i think he knew it from the beginning but bad things is you know, just those are humbling moments and knowing that he's he, what kind of person he was one of the nicest persons that you'll ever meet and he obviously like i said didn't he wasn't one that's gonna blow that and did that on purpose where everybody i know everybody got caught up in the emotion mm-hmm. and got caught up in it but to question his integrity and all that it just it there was no doubt in my mind that he he was one of the best and he wanted to get it right and you could see it he was very emotional <laughs> and that's something if you hadn't spent all, all that time at yeah. first base getting to know the man as a person and that you had a very different view of the situation and the inner turmoil that he was going through because you actually yeah. knew him as a real person and someone that you could communicate with and understand. Oh, yeah. And it, it's funny because I always, when, when I go and watch the Mariners, usually when I go, because I, I live in Washington, so that's so we go up and watch whoever they're playing or whatever it is. But I'm always looking at who the umpires are because those guys are the ones that are still around. Eric, he was big, just big dude, that just, just, a, just a teddy bear kind of guy, though. He was awesome. But Jim Reynolds, he was one of my favorites. He'd always, he, he saw my family. He's, man, you guys, you got the best family ever. He saw my kids underneath him. <laughs> so he, it's just those, you end up having relationships with them, really. Mm-hmm. Just, and you realize, hey, that we're all in this together. This is how this game works. And we're all in this together and make the game better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I guess it's like you're all a family, but families sometimes uh, fight. And sometimes yeah. disagree. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's and that's where I was. And there's some times where like I said, the, the next day, Doug Eddings doesn't have to apologize to me. I he knows that and I know, but it's the next day. It's the next game. I'm perfectly fine with him. He was at first base the next day. I'm having conversations with him. I let it go. It's just okay, that was the heat of the moment. He just knew that it was nothing personal and so I'd always make sure that I would have that conversation to ease that tension if there was any tension. Were there players who held grudges for the entire season <sighs> when they when oh. they came to first base? Yes. Oh yeah. They would oh man, they would just they would come up and say something about this pitch back in two weeks ago. Kind of thing and i'm like how the heck do you remember that let alone i'm like man let's i don't always say hey if the umpire makes three bad calls then i've got something to argue with but they don't make three bad calls they make maybe one mm. but through the course of the game they maybe make two or three and this is like the home plate types of balls yeah. and strikes that's it i just they're they get it such a bad rap and there's been some times where they've called a pitch that's almost a foot off the plate. I'm like, holy crap, This now that's too much. Because I'm like, I ain't going to be able to hit that pitch. I hit a pitch that's well, two may, inches well, off. Well, maybe Manny whatever, can. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, no, they, I think you get when just the conversation with Joe West, Joe West, you could, I'd always make fun of him. You never 
talked about his umpire and he took that personal. So you never wanted to question his, you could tell him he's the worst country singer ever and just make fun of him, anything else. And he would laugh his ass off. <laughs> but if you question his, that would tick him. That, that was his tick. So I knew that. I'd always, hey, I'm, I'll stay away from that. But he, like I said, these guys, they want to get it right. They're not, they don't, I don't think he would hold a grudge. He just, he would let you know how he feel. And he would be like, yeah, no, I'm in charge and I'm going to call it the way I see it. And you're not going to question that. But yeah, I would always make fun of him. And but he was actually, because I didn't realize he was a country singer and he, I saw a video and I was like, man, you're funny. He actually sounded pretty good. So I was, but I would always make fun of him. I'd just say, hey, he'd just laugh at me. It's funny that in my first few years in the game, maybe even my first 10 years in the game, I did take it personally when players got on my case or had said things that I thought were rude or inappropriate or whatever, and or gave me a hard time about stuff that, hey, I wasn't the one that struck out. But <laughs> but, but I, you didn't start something at the right time. Or, yeah, you yeah know, exactly. Like, or you didn't have the right angle. <laughs> yeah, and back in those days, we didn't always have the right angle. And the technology didn't always work. But I can't remember who it was, and it might have even been someone like you or Frank Catalano who said, if they're not talking to you, that's when they don't like you. When they're <laughs> getting on your case and they're chatting you up, even if they're being a little bit hard ass on you, that's because they like you, that's because they like engaging okay. with you. And that changed everything for me when you realized that, man, you got to be able to take a little bit of ribbon. You have to be able to acknowledge when they get on your case because it's just because they like you and they want to make you better as well. Yeah, and that's why, I, like you said, just easing the tension, making sure that they know that they don't hold a grudge and it's over and we'll find another way to win and do this and that. But yeah, but it's and it's a long season too. It's got to have some release too. So I enjoy it. So we've talked about everyone but the first base coaches. Were you always listening to see if you could catch anything from the conversation between the first base runner and the first base coach? Yeah, so a lot of them would do hand single signals so they wouldn't, because a lot of the, I it drives me nuts too when my high school players can't get the signs. It was never, and I'm like, man, you guys, you just wait till you get to the next level. They're that much more extreme. And then when you get to the, the, the next level, they're very extreme. When, <laughs> I would but, have never been able to be a, <laughs> be a baseball player because I couldn't never understand any of that so there was there would always be the first base coach that the base runner it would be a specific base runner and and not a lot there's not a lot of hit runs or that kind of stuff obviously for the most part three one three two count we would always be running unless they wiped it off and whatever most of the time everybody knew what the wipe off was but the first base coach would he would give the times with the base dealers they would give the times and if they were above one three they were going to be looking to go so i would always try to mess up their timing as far as slap my glove or do something like that just move or jerk a little bit because they see my movement they like just to throw them off just a split second just try to anyway but getting back to it the first base coach for the guys that just didn't know the signs he would they would squeeze his his side because he was I've real seen close that to many him. times and yeah. I had no idea if that was a sign yeah, they would squeeze Whisper, whisper, I think, 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 whisper,
kind of thing, and they would steal. So he would, he's like, you're green kind of thing. And that's what we say. You got the green light. Mm-hmm. You can steal anytime. So most of the time, everybody had the green light unless they wiped it off. Because we feel like, for the most part, we are doing our thing kind of thing. We know the game. Obviously, if the if our manager doesn't want us to steal, he'll shut us down type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, nope. I want you to stay. Let us see it. For me, I wasn't very fast. So it, they would get into a real rhythm where they would come set 1001, 1002, and then they would go. And so I would anticipate that and then take off. I say I go 1001, 1000, I would take off. So now I'm that much faster and getting that much, that quicker uh, break and, and hopefully being safe because a lot of the guy, and, and you get into the picture where it's okay, he's going to throw a curveball here. So it's going to be even slower. So you start doing those types of things. But the the twins, Minnesota Twins first base coach, kill me, I can't even think of his name now. Gosh dang it! He I'd, he would get high strung on me because I would I like to back pick and we didn't do it a whole lot but I would always I knew what pitch was coming so I would I know that a right handed hitter uh, a curveball is coming he's not going to hit it to first base so I could cheat and act like a back pick and it would slow that runner at first so now if they do hit it turn double plays just mm-hmm. little things like that make maybe ninety percent of the time wouldn't work out but that 10% it made a difference but he would get so high strung on me he's, he's like back on he's like, hanging over bay your mess just <laughs> messing with me and he was he great guy but and but he would because he his job is to not let that guy get picked at first base the back pick so it's like um, you have one job <laughs> right yeah so it's like he and he took it very seriously so i those are the ones that i could take take advantage of but i'm trying to think just conversations after conversation with those guys because i could because they would come out before the inning starts and talk and so we made a lot of conversations and relationships with those guys and i think it was 2009 it might have been even 2000 and i and it was the boston red sox first base coach and it was his first year and he got he just it's ecstatic that he's in the big leagues. He had never really been in the big leagues. And, and then he wasn't there one time and I was like, what's going on? And, and so I was asking our first base coach and he, he said that his daughter was riding a horse on a, and this car came up over a hill and hit her or hit the horse and the, and, and her. And so he, she was badly injured and he was home with her. And I was just like, man, that's just so unfortunate because I don't think he ever, came back to the game really i don't know mm-hmm. if he i know he wasn't in the big leagues anymore when i think he took that year off then it's hard to get in and once you're in you want to make sure you're doing the right job because if you're doing a good job they'll you'll get an, another opportunity whether and i just i don't i think that that turn of events just ended his career a little bit his I, I, and at the end of the day i think his daughter survived and the horse is the one that didn't that took the blunt of it yeah. but just that, those are the ones that are sad because he doesn't he doesn't get another shot. Yeah, and it wasn't his fault. Yeah. There obviously was a time, and it probably is a long time ago, but when you got your first major league hit, it was it a single, and did you get to be at first base, and did you get to a little congratulations from the first baseman? Yeah, so it was, it was actually after the – September 11th, I got a September call up and the September 11th happened. So we took a week off and we, I was with the Diamondbacks. So we were in first place and we were going for to win the pennant. And so the next game we were in Colorado. And so it was actually on ESPN because we were, it was like our first game back. It was nice that the whole family got to see it. But I remember it like it was yesterday because I got a hit. And obviously one of my favorite players <laughs> was on first base, Todd Helton. <laughs> it was pretty cool that he, he was the first person that obviously our first base coach, but he shook the hand and or shook. He's like, Hey, congratulations. That's cool. And I was like, and I'm 
still nervous and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? What am I supposed to do kind of thing? And because we're in a pennant, we're losing. And so it was pretty cool there. And there's, I'm trying to remember some of the, the first first hits that, that I got to be a part of. I'd always make sure that was the first thing I told him. I'd say, hey, congratulations. And part of my thing was making sure I get the ball. Because I usually the visiting team is on the first base side. Mm-hmm. Not every time, but usually I, I'd make sure that I would get that ball and make sure the first base coach would get it because then the first base coach would come and get it. But now they, they've got a good good system as far as doing that but getting it but i'd always make sure that hey it's, i gotta get that ball and throw it over there and make sure that they got that but it is pretty special to have that but well, i'm sure was it also that congratulating them and shaking their hand to help settle them down a bit and, <laughs> and them back into the game was it something that you did the way you were treated the first time you got a hit influenced the way you treated other players 100 percent, yeah those are things like you said moments that you realize that like you can be an impact on that and that was because i I remember how nervous and that what a wreck i was and talking to and obviously you're a rookie you're not gonna sit there and talk to somebody that's on first base that you you don't know and so it's Mm -hmm. i took it upon myself to be like i'll be i'll break the ice (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and obviously the first base coach is always congratulations and telling them all this stuff and but i'd always joke around too anybody can hit get a base hit let's go if you can get two or hey this is a good start to your career so enjoy it but i'd always want them to make sure that they enjoyed the moment and then but it's like nope now you got to get back to business let's go get your lead yeah <laughs> <laughs> or i'd tell them hey how many outs you got just to see if they knew even how many outs they were because <laughs> i don't remember how many outs there were when i was on first base <laughs> i was like i just didn't want to trip and fall and do something stupid so <laughs> just you would throw conversations out there to just to catch them off guard say something to them you're like is he serious? Is he being serious? Did he just really ask me that question kind of thing or whatever? And then it would catch him off guard. I think the catching him off guard would be the vacation part. It's like, dude, where do you go for vacation? I'm like, so. It reminds me of that scene in Bull Durham when they're on the mound and talking about <laughs> yes. candlesticks. And that, a lot of people think that was so extremely crazy that it could have never happened but it does seem like that's the kind of thing that you have to have these sort of silly conversations and offhand jokes that don't make any sense just because (laughs) it's it is a very long season and if you can't laugh about it it can drive you nuts yep yeah no that's i was one that always some guys would be like oh man you're not focusing i'm like no that's it's helping you focus because if you're focused solely on that you've got to you've got to get away it's gonna your reaction time is not gonna be as good it's just it's like you gotta change it a little bit and that's all it is it's good stuff thank you and uh... yeah Oh, but I know Sean Casey would, oh man, he would have stories after stories. Him and Kevin Millar. Oh, well, you know, uh, Kevin. I know <laughs> Kevin. And... <laughs> he, he saw him first base when, with the, when he was with the Orioles. And he, he's, he's just talking. And just one of the things he would always say is, yeah, we're mathematically out. And it was like the <laughs> second week. It was the second week of April. <laughs> so I, he just, he could always shine, make people laugh and, and have good conversation and, and just, People would be so involved and intrigued. Him and Scott Rowland having conversations with those two. Just... Scott Rowland had the driest sense of humor yes. of any person <laughs> yes. I ever met. So would you say being a first baseman is one of the best positions on the field just because of the, how much you're involved in the game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's 
being able to talk to players, being able to, I go, I got to play three games in the outfield, and I, I was like, man, this sucks. Because <laughs> you don't get to talk to anybody. You don't get to, you're like, hey, look at me out here kind of thing. But yeah, first base is, because when you go up to the plate, the umpire, you've already talked to him yesterday because you mm -hmm. were there. First base, there's conversations I have with the catchers too. It's Felix Rodriguez one time, and I remember who was catching. Felix threw a, a cutter. And I'm like, what the heck? And I look back at him. I was like, did he just throw me a cutter? Because he was always a sinker ball. And he's like, and now the cutter, if you don't know, he it cuts in on lefties. I'm like, he's already hard to hit anyway. And now he's got another pitch. And he's like, yeah, he just started working on that. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm like this, I've got, I, I had little chance against him. Now I have zero chance against him. I'm like, this is not fair. So I just, but it was just funny because I, in the middle of the game, I'm like, I'm pissed. Because I'm like, are you serious? He just threw me a cutter? I'm like, no way he threw me. I didn't even know he had it. I wish I would have known that he didn't have it. Because <laughs> then it just puts, then it's putting in my head, frick, I got to find a way to hit that now. For us, it was nice with Blue Jays. We had Roy Halladay for all those years. That just... mm -hmm. Speaking of the cutter, he was really the one popularized it and made it a pitch that everyone wanted to throw. Hey, you know where he learned that from? I would love to know. The... <laughs> So, and I didn't know this until we went and played the Yankees during the all-star break and the all-star game, Roy went up to Mariano and was like, Hey, how do you throw your cutter? So he started working on it and started finally, I think, I think Roy threw it. He just, it wasn't as effective as it was after that. Mm -hmm. And, and the Yankees noticed that and they're like, and they were pissed at Mariano because they're like, seriously, you're, you're teaching him how to throw a cutter. He's already really good. And now <laughs> And and I felt like his cutter really took off after that. He started started breaking a little bit more. Started being a late breaker type thing, and I think he he became more dominant. But it was yeah, it was from the All Star break, All Star game when so yeah, it was things you don't share with the opposition. Right. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that seemed to end kind of abruptly. Sorry about that. There was some stuff after that which I'll tack on here at the end, about how people being interviewed seem to say, you know, every other sentence. Lyle never did that once in his career or during our conversation. He would often say when we were watching interviews on the television, if we knew we wouldn't be asking you. Though both of us said obviously way too much during our chat. I'll have to work on that. Anyway, I had a great time with Lyle and learned a lot. We could have gone on for hours and hours and I did have to edit some out for time but we had a lot of fun and I hope you did too. Please like, subscribe and leave a kind comment or two so I know you're out there enjoying my show. Until next time, may all the balls hit toward you have true hops and land softly in your glove. Bye-bye. And he, he played for the Dodgers and they the Dodgers would take him through this stuff mm -hmm. and, and kind of give him kind of train him a little bit how to how to talk to the media or whatever and i'm like i never and i didn't even realize they're saying it and and that's so as soon as he said that i i mean there's some times where i was pausing because i'm like i am not gonna say it but i'm lost on what i need to say <laughs> there would be those long pauses and i'm like but i'm not gonna say you know <laughs> but i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna say how do i say it and and but yeah that was that was uh, <clears throat> definitely changed because I went back and listened to my <laughs> my <laughs>
interview and i i mean it was like every every other word i think was you know <laughs> so and that's probably the single best advice you can give any baseball player or any person who has to be interviewed yeah and, uh, yeah 